I'm reading verses 3 and 4. Deuteronomy 8, verses 3 and 4. And he humbled you, and let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. You and I know just how easy it is to to forget things. Uh, We're always saying that, oh, I forgot. And uh, the older we get, the more difficult we find it to remember uh, things that have happened in the past or even things that have happened in the present. It's one of the, I think, one of the disturbing things as we get older is how quickly our memories begin to fade And uh, even what we did yesterday uh, can begin to, we find it sometimes difficult to recall. Uh, When I was younger, I I know that I had a a very good memory for events and things that that I did. It was almost like a diary. Today, I can hardly remember anything of it. It's like somebody has taken a sponge and wiped away just so much. And that is, it's now coming to a stage where you can hardly remember what, what, you, what you did yesterday. But God wants us to remember. And it's very interesting when you go through the book of Deuteronomy, how often the Lord is saying to his people, remember. Or else he's saying, do not forget. These two things often go together. They sometimes say, they switch around. Remember, do not forget. And uh, this is what the Lord is asking uh, Israel to do. We find that in verse 2, that they were to remember, and they were to remember the whole way uh, that they were led. Now, it's important for us to remember and to stop and to reflect often upon what God is doing for us. Because God fills our lives with so many good things. And it's important for us to remember that because that is one of the things that was being drummed into the people of God. That they were always to remember just what it was that God was doing for them. So that there would be, there were to be many aspects to that. But one of the things is always to produce a sense of thankfulness to God for all that he does for us. Now as we see our memories are short. We can sometimes be guilty of that at a human level. People who are good to us, people who have been, have been good to us, and sometimes we can take umbrage at the, at the least thing and take the hump about this and that, and we have, a, we have very short memories. In fact, do you not often find, can it, people not often say, oh, well, don't they have short memories. And I wonder how often God says that over us. What a short memory he has. What a short memory she has. Do they not remember how I helped? Do they not remember what I did? Do they not remember this? Do they not remember that? Well, that's, a, that's what God was trying to instill within his people then, and he is still wanting us to have the same attitude, the same spirit, to be reflecting upon what God is doing for us. Now I know when we go to the likes of Philippians, Paul tells us to forget the things that are behind 
and to press on to the, for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And while that is, that is also very true, at one level, forgetting the things that are behind, God doesn't mean us to forget all the spiritual truths and all the deep experiences that we've gone through, because Paul himself uh, often reflected upon the way that God had led him and reflected upon the things that God had done for him in his life. And so it's important for us to be remembering the way that God has led us along the way. And so that's why it says you shall remember the whole way the Lord led you. Now, of course, when God took Israel out of the land of Egypt, they could have got gone to the promised land fairly quickly. Now, of course, we know that a lot of that was because of the rebellion and disobedience that they didn't get there quickly. But also, the Lord had a lot of work to do in them. There was a lot of breaking and a lot of humbling and a lot of molding and a lot of reshaping. And that's exactly what the Lord has to do with you and with me as well. Because when he begins to, the journey begins to take us from the fearful pit and miry clay, there's a lot of work to be done. And God is at work in your life and in my life every single day. It's not that he does a wee bit of work one day and then like, <clears throat> like workmen who might be working on a, on a particular project but they're working, they've got two or three projects at the same time. So they do a bit at this place and then they go and they work at another place and then they go to the third place and then they're working, they're working between them. But they can't do the three at once. But the Lord is working in all of us all the time, every single day, every single night. It's not that he does a wee bit and then goes to somebody else. All the time he is at work in your life and in my life as well. And so the Lord is wanting Israel to remember that he humbled them on the way. And that's what the Lord is still doing to us. You see, Israel had to be humbled. And we have to be humbled as well because one of the, the root problems of our lives is the is sin of pride. In fact, pride has been termed the mother of sin because there is pride in all sin. If you were to go through the Ten Commandments, if you were to go through, if you were to go through all that sin is, we will find an element of pride within it. And it is natural to us. It's part of the fall where we become egotistical and where we become selfish and self-centered and self-sufficient. And uh, there is an inbuilt rejection of God and a refusal to depend upon God. God is a last resort. You find that in the book of Judges. That it, the, the, there was an ever-ending cycle. Went on every, almost like almost every 40 years. Israel would, they would disobey God. And then they would begin to follow idols. And they would, then they would get lost into their idolatry. And then God would say, enough is enough. And he would allow an enemy to invade the land whether it was the Midianites or the Philistines or whatever but Israel wouldn't call out to begin with and it was only when they reached the very bottom when there was nowhere left to go when there were no resources anywhere else to find when they were stuck it was then that they would call out to the Lord and cry to him for help 
And he would deliver them. And he would send a deliverer with like people like Gideon and Samson and so on. And then after a period of years they would fall back into the same vicious cycle. And they would go down and down and down and it wasn't until the very last that they would cry to the Lord. And we're like that as well. Humanly speaking, if we can avoid calling upon the name of the Lord, if we can avoid depending upon him, we will. That's the nature. That is human nature. And that comes from pride. That is the, the bottom line. That is why the Lord tells us, judge not. He says that you be not judged. And our judgment of others so often comes from pride. It is, a, it is because, you know, when, if we judge somebody, very often as we sit in judgment of that person, we're actually saying, I'm better than them. I wouldn't do that. Every time we sit in judgment, we are, we are setting ourselves up above them. And we're looking down on them. And we're, we're sitting, it's because of pride. And that's why the Lord, the Lord is very strong on us not judging one another. Because we're prone to it. It's almost like second nature. It's part and parcel of what we do. But we're told, judge not that you be not judged. So <clears throat> Israel <clears throat> were being dealt with by the Lord in the wilderness. He was at work within them, bringing them to the place where they would rely upon him and trust in him. And we see that part of what he did to them was he allowed them, uh, he humbled you, verse 3, and let you hunger. Now that really is humbling. Because I would imagine it's the one thing that you expect. I'm sure all of us in here, we expect every day to have sufficient food. Now I know that there are people within this country who don't have that. But we, I would imagine that every single one of us here expects every day to have food. And it's a serious thing if you don't have food. Because it's one of the most basic human requirements of life. And if you don't have food, then you have to beg for food. And it's a very, it's a very humbling thing where you have to go and beg from people for food. But Israel's situation was so grim that not only did they not have food, but there was nobody to beg from because they were in the wilderness. And that is why they had to turn to the Lord because there was nothing else for them to do. There was nowhere else for them to go. And so the Lord was, was humbling them through this, bringing them to the place where they were to see that their dependence was entirely upon him. And we, <clears throat> we see how God miraculously <clears throat> fed them with bread from heaven. He poured down bread from heaven upon them. It was, it was, it was an amazing miracle. It had been unknown before. Their fathers didn't know about it. Their fathers had never experienced. Nobody had ever experienced this miraculous provision before. And so the Lord was teaching them and he's teaching us about his great grace. Because when God fed them in the wilderness, we've got to remember that they weren't just crying to the Lord. They were grumbling. There was a, a combination of, yes, crying to the Lord, but of resentment within their heart. They were grumbling. They were, the, they were a grumbling nation. 
See, and this comes again from, from pride. They had a wrong idea of their own importance. And they were, God was showing them, look, <clears throat> you are absolutely dependent upon me. And they, they grumbled against God continually. You find they were a grumbling people all the way through. Always grumbling, always moaning against God, complaining against God. And that's why God had to break them. Because he said, you are not ready to go into the land of promise. In fact, it, it would have been a disaster for Israel if they had come straight out of Egypt into the land of promise. Because straight away they would have set up idolatry. Straight away they would have been worshipping other gods. They would have abandoned the living and true God in no time. So they had to be broken. It was a constant breaking, a humbling. So that they would come bit by bit by bit to depend and to trust upon the Lord. And so that we see God's graciousness and his goodness to them. And I love the picture that we have here of Israel being taken up to the land of promise. Because they are a rebellious people. They are a grumbling people. They're always complaining. And yet God is gracious to them. And he is merciful to them. And despite everything, he's promised to take them up. And he will take them up. And he took them up. And you know, that's, that's exactly what he's doing with you and with me as well. Because he has taken us from the pit that we were in. And he has set our feet upon a rock. And he has led us along the way. But far too often we're like Israel and we're grumbling and complaining against God. Against the way he's leading us. Against what's happening to us. And all these kind of things. So often this is going on. But God is still gracious to us. He's still merciful to us. And he's saying, despite all that you are, I'm still going to take you home with myself. And that's a display of his grace and the display of his mercy. And just as he sent bread from heaven in the wilderness, so he has sent the bread from heaven in the form of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into our lives. In fact, Jesus himself said, I am, <clears throat> I am the bread of life. And he said, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. <clears throat> and so we read there that he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor, your fathers, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And when God brought this, took the, let this manna fall down upon them, it wasn't that he just allowed a little manna to fall at night so that when they got up in the morning or through the night, there it was lying on the ground. It was, it was a liberal pouring. In fact, in Exodus it says, I will rain manna down. I will rain bread down upon you. And that's what the Lord does. He is, his resources are endless. He is, he is a God who has everything at his disposal. And we've said it so often, if we are trudging our way home to glory, if we're like it's walking through the moor, and it's a wet moor, it's soggy, and we're going down, it's like a squelchy sludge every time, and having to drag our foot out and then down into another one. You know, sometimes we almost feel like that's the way we're making it home. The Lord says, no. I have all the provision for you. 
I can fill your heart and fill your soul with good things. Because he, he is the God who loves to give. And so this manna was, of course, a picture of the Word of God. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were certain rules that were given to Israel with regard to the manna. The first thing was that they were to gather it. Now that, I suppose, is stating the obvious. They were to gather it. <clears throat> and it's the same for ourselves. You see, it wasn't enough for Israel to look out their tent and say, Oh, there's, there's the manna. Oh, that's great. That's our provision for the day. And not do anything about it. They had to go out and get it. And it's the same for you and for me. It's not enough to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to come to church. You know, great, don't get me wrong. We've come to church. That is important. And here we are. It's like being in your, at the door of your tent and you're looking at the manna. But that manna won't do you any good until you go and you gather it and you take it and you eat it. That's what you've got to do. And it's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to take him by faith. It's not enough to be beside where he is. It's not enough just to be in his presence where he's promised to be. We have to go a step further. We have to take Jesus to ourselves and feed upon him. That's what we've got to do. And once we've done that, we have to feed upon him every single day. Because that's again what we're told with the manna. That they were to pick the manna each day. Sufficient for that day, of course, except on the seventh day there was no manna. They had to pick manna for the, the, the following, for the, the Sabbath day as well. But the point we're making, the point the Lord was teaching is that the manna, every day you went out and you picked your portion for that day. And that's exactly what you and I are to do with the word of God every single day. And that's why I'm saying, if you're struggling, if you're struggling as a Christian, you know, one, one of the basic things you have to say to yourself is this, am I, am I eating upon Jesus every day? You and I have to eat in life. We have to, it's, it's normal. We, we eat every single day, don't we? There'd be no point in sort of saying, uh, if, if somebody said to me today, oh, come on in, I've, I've got, come in for your dinner. Oh, no, no. I, I ate yesterday. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I'm good, I'm good. I ate yesterday. They would say, but yes, it's today. And so often we're like that with, with the Bible. That we live on yester our yesterdays. And sometimes if we have... Sometimes when the Lord teaches us something really good out of the Word and we, and we live on that, and that's good as well, that's important. But don't live on yesterday's Word. Although yesterday's Word is important for you, you have to live on today's. Take a little time every single day. Make sure you do. And read God's Word. Read it prayerfully read it thoughtfully read it so that you think upon what you're reading and it's far better just to read I've said this so often read a few verses rather than read a whole lot and afterwards say to yourself you know this I haven't a clue what I read you know it's possible to read the Bible to go and read two or three chapters 
and close the Bible and somebody say, what did you read? I, I, I can't tell you. Because sometimes we read simply to solve the conscience. That's not what it's about. It's not just reading for the sake of reading. We've got to be disciplined and say, we've got to set aside a little bit of time and say, Lord, help me. Help me to focus upon what you're saying. Help me to take this word on board. Help me to digest it so that this word will become a pillar in my life, that it will be a truth that will help me and sustain me and guide me. Just as we need the normal food for our everyday existence, so we need the spiritual food for our everyday existence as well. That's what God has, has given us and provided for us. And it's through that word that we're taught and directed and guided and rebuked and built up and all these different things. And so that's what the Lord is saying. That's why he says that he's teaching you that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. A closed Bible is a disaster. And I believe it's one of the great issues that's facing us as a nation today, is that by and large the Bible is an unknown book. When you think of the, this, this nation of ours, which was once a nation of the book, we cannot say that anymore. And I believe we reap what we sow. Because if God's ways and God's laws and God's statutes are not part of our life, and if they were and we're trying to remove them, then inevitable disaster is going to come. And God will leave us to ourselves. And there isn't, you cannot think of anything worse than if God says, all right, on your own. That's what you want. You don't want me. I have, I, have, I have been with you. I am keeping offering myself. I am still being gracious to you. But more and more you're saying to me, I don't want you. I don't want you in society. I don't want you in the schools. I don't want you in politics. I don't want you anywhere within our life. The only place you're allowed is if somebody wants you on their own, in their own house, privately. And that's what so many today, that is the attitude of so many within our society today. And that's the worst thing that could happen is that God says, all right, on your own, sort it out yourselves. That's about the worst judgment that could come upon us and how we need to pray that the Lord will be merciful to us. But the... <clears throat> Again, we see that this, this manna was heavenly food. That's been described as the food of angels. It was heavenly food. And it was a food that came from heaven that was preparing them for heaven. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing as well. He is the bread from heaven. He came from heaven. And he is fitting us and preparing us from heaven as well. And that's, that's what his food is about. Nourishing us strengthening us, preparing us for the great, for the great glory that, that, that lies beyond. And then we read also that in verse 4, your clothing did not wear out on you. And that's quite amazing. Now, I know that some people have different ideas about that, but I believe very simply it is what it says, that over these 40 years that their clothes did not wear out. And that's quite miraculous in many ways. They're wearing the same clothes for 40 years. 
And uh, I suppose that idea today uh, is one that most people couldn't even begin to imagine. But that's how it was. God worked it in that way. It was a miraculous provision. But you know what it is? It's a picture of what the Lord does for us as well. Because as we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he clothes us with his own garment, the garment of salvation, the robe of righteousness, so that that's what we're covered in. And that robe that he puts on us, the covering of Christ, is sufficient for us every single day. It will never wear out. We don't need anything else. It won't in any way there come a time when we say, oh, this isn't sufficient, I need to get something else. No, it is sufficient. But not only does it tell us that their clothing didn't wear out, your foot did not swell these 40 years. Isn't that extraordinary? Walking for 40 years and their feet didn't swell. Now, if you walk, if you go on any, any walking expedition, very often that's one of the things you'll get blisters or there's sort of all sorts of things begin to happen with your feet. But imagine walking for 40 years. Well, for 40 years Israel were walking through the wilderness. And he says, your feet didn't swell. Again, it's a great picture to us of the Lord's sufficiency that enables us to keep going and keep going. Keeping going. You know, there's many a day you think, you say, you know, I can't keep going anymore in this spiritual journey. Have you not said that at sometimes? And you say, oh, you know this. I don't know if I can keep going. And yet you're still going. No, you can't keep going, but the Lord will enable you to keep going. And he's continued, I will constantly go on in strength of God the Lord, the psalmist says. As your days, so will your strength be. The Lord will enable you to keep on walking. Because once you start walking down that road with him, you will walk all the way to glory. Sometimes you may, you may, we might limp a wee bit, we might wobble a wee bit, we might stray a wee bit. But he'll keep you, and he'll keep you, and he'll keep you until he takes you home. One day your walking days in this world will be over. But your walking days aren't over because you're going to continue in glory. Because the Lamb is going to lead you and he's going to feed you from living fountains of waters. And so that con- there's this continual idea, continuous idea of us walking. question is this. Are you walking with the Lord tonight? That's a big question. As you walk out this church tonight, are you walking on your own? Or are you walking with God? Because it's, you're either, it's one or other. You're either walking on your own, and although you might be surrounded by a lot of great people, you know, it's actually a really lonely place in this world all on your own. You don't need to. Because the Lord is saying, I'll walk with you. And in fact, if you ask me to walk with you, I'll never, ever, ever let you go. I'll walk with you every single step of the way. And then I'll take you home to be with myself. Let us pray. Lord, we pray to grant us your grace. We pray to enable us to see you, to understand you, to believe in you. We give thanks, Lord, for the way you teach us. Give us teachable spirits. Give us thankfulness of heart. Give us to remember uh, the way you work in us and 
that we do not forget all the way that you lead us. So you're saying to your people, remember the whole way that the Lord led you. And so we pray that we may remember the spiritual lessons that we're learning along the way. The things that have come into our lives, the things that have happened that have shown us uh, that we need you. So we pray to bless us all. Bless all who are in need. Bless those who are unable to be present with us. Remember those in hospital, those who are who have, have been seriously ill and undergone surgery or undergoing it or have had it. We commit them to your care. We remember those who are in need in, in all the different situations and we pray that you will bless them. Watch over us and do us good and take away our sin in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to conclude singing from Psalm 19, 19 the 19th Psalm. This is uh, from the Scottish Psalter on page 223. We're going to sing verses 7 to 11 on the Tunis Moravia. God's law is perfect and converts the soul in sin that lies. God's testimony is most sure and makes the simple wise. The statutes of the Lord are right and do rejoice the heart. The Lord's command is pure and doth light to the eyes impart. As, as we sing these, these words, let us really think upon what it's saying and showing us what God's word is actually doing within our lives. We see how it converts people and it makes, makes us wise. It enables us to rejoice in our heart. It brings light into our, into our eyes and uh, so on. So as we sing these words, let us really think what we're singing. Down to verse 11, and again we see what God's word does. Moreover, they thy servant warn how he his life should frame. A great reward provided is for them that keep the same. The Tunis Moravia, 7 to 11, Psalm 19. <clears throat> God's law is perfect.
may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.